going on everybody welcome to another episode of your intention matters my name is still paul madad of course thank you very much for freeing up the time to listen and watch this podcast i am super excited for this one i have jeremy kemper he is director of sales from a company called verakai coming to us from the bay area northern california jeremy we were talking about this before i hit record here it's not exactly my weather but how are things up there right now things are going well i'm fired up to be here thanks for having me yeah, thanks for freeing up the time. Say hi to everybody and provide a quick intro, and then we'll jump into it here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jeremy Kemper coming at you from the Bay Area here in California, director of sales for an applied data company called Verakai. We're leveraging the power of alternative data and machine learning to change the way the industry views risk, and that industry is insurance. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, thanks again for uh, for being here. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So uh, let's set the stage for the podcast here. You know the title of it, Your Intention Matters. The foundation is from my chair. Nothing is really given to any of us. There's no coattails that we can really ride everything. We have to kind of scratch and claw and figure it out. It all starts with, up, with what's up top, and that's with mindset and intention. So with that said, I'm looking forward to you uh, sharing your story with us. You ready to roll? Let's go. All right, let's get into it then. We're going back in time here, Jeremy. That's what we do with this podcast series. We're going back to the mid-2000s, 2007, choppy time, 2007, man. It's not any better right now, of course, but 2007 was no picnic either. So you're getting ready to graduate San Francisco State. Uh, take me back, Jeremy. Do you recall what was college like for you? What were you thinking you'd be doing? What was the foundation? Share with us You know where things were You know, call it 13 years ago. Yeah, definitely rocky times then. You know, it's interesting you bring back and stepping back into 2007. So I started off college in probably the wrong, the wrong foot in the sense of I didn't have focus. I was not intentional with what I wanted to accomplish over four years. Where did I, where did I want to take a potential career? I didn't have that line of thinking. And so when I moved back to the Bay Area from where I was previously attending college, I really became very intentional about I'm going to graduate within these next two years and then I'm going to go and get a professional job. What professional job wasn't sure. And so at that time in 2007, I was very focused on just getting a job and the environment had, had become very choppy. And so my focus really was let's go get a job and just start. I really was excited to work. The, the baseline for making sure that you graduated uh, pressure from mom and dad? Uh, did, did they instill that in you very young? Where'd that come from? Yeah, that's uh, in our household growing up, education and hard work were extremely important. It was a focus. I am the oldest of four and I, there was no way I was not going to graduate college in my parents' eyes. So that was definitely part of it. But also I knew it was, it was important to me as well. You know, the older I got, and as I became a little bit more mature in my early 20s, it was you know, something that I wanted to achieve for myself as well. All right. So once you dug in and you got centered and you figured it out and you, 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 know, you, you laid the, the groundwork to graduate and you have your designation, you have your degree in marketing, business administration, you're ready to go. Uh, what was next for you? What, what did you end up doing once uh, you got to get out there? 
Yeah, fast forward. So I found a, a company, an insurance company of all things, never thought I'd end up in insurance, but I found a company that was close to home where I had a contact into and started to interview for a position there and ultimately became uh, an insurance or product analyst. Product analyst. Okay. In insurance, Jeremy, I'm sure the job was a little bit more exciting than I'm hearing, but uh, it sounds like watching paint dry. Talk to me, man. No, it's, uh, no, it's insurance from afar. It's funny you say that it's uh, everybody thinks insurance is boring. It's dry. It's actually, it's pretty fascinating once you get in and you start to understand, well, how does this work? It can be very complex, but at the same time, you know, my role was trying to figure out, well, you know, all those cars driving around on the roads and the car I was driving, how do you figure out the price for that? Yeah. And so that became pretty interesting in the sense of I had to have a handle on all these new vehicles coming out. Well, gosh, how much does it cost? What are these special safety features? How do I get access to all this data? Then if I have access to all this data, how do I break it down into easy to understand ways to then determine the price we should charge for it? All right. So now you were in insurance and I kind of joke about insurance because my family on my wife's side has an insurance background. My brother-in-law's insurance, my in-laws had their own insurance brokerage. So I kind of have some fun with, uh, with, with the insurance in terms of the excitement about it, because I hate paying insurance payments. So uh, I think most people probably do as well. So, okay. So you're in insurance. It's a lot more exciting and invigorating and rewarding than certainly on paper what it, uh, what it would sound like. How long were you in that industry for? I worked for an insurance company for about five years. Okay. All in and the same role? Were you doing different things? It, it had two different roles. Okay. And, and so, you know, as the five years went on, I was learning a ton. It was interesting work. But, but what I started, I was always centered on and brought up in a very entrepreneurial household. And, and that household was, my parents were in sales. My dad had his own business and my mom was also in, in sales as a real estate agent on the residential side. So that was always interesting to me. I grew up around it, holding open houses and really just interacting with people. I enjoyed doing that. And so I kept getting pulled from hey, these are really cool spreadsheets. This is really interesting trying to figure out how to price these cars and how to price a product and, and everything that comes with it. But I knew that I wanted to do more and I could do more. And so that's really, you know, about four years into that, I really started to figure out, to think about with that intention, what do I want to do next? You know, you, uh, being an entrepreneur myself, I have great respect for those that, that give it a shot here. And, and I, I've worked in commercial real estate and residential real estate with what I do and, and supporting those industries. And I know that it's a tough go. There's a lot of work that goes involved to, to really turn the corner. And so credit to, to your mom with the, with the real estate side, uh, open houses on weekends and night showings and you know, an abundance of, of competitors. I mean, anybody can become a realtor. You can take the course and tomorrow you could have 10 more competitors come into your space. You don't even know about it. So uh, did your parents or your mom ever drag you into open houses? Yeah, absolutely. I was holding open houses at like 13, 14 years old. And because of the work on the weekends, when I thought I should be having fun or being able yeah. to do whatever I wanted, that's one of the reasons why I was kind of skewed in the sense of, I didn't want to go and help my mom with her business. 
because it was always on the weekends or when right. it's time she's got a, she has appointments, right? Because that's when people are not working and they want to go see homes. So well, what was your first sales profession, you know, post insurance? Post insurance. So through learning about insurance and trying to get my hands on data to help me in my role that I had at an insurance company, I found a, I found a company called ISO or Verisk Analytics. And I, it was interesting because they were actually selling data and analytics and partnering with insurance companies. So I thought, well, I can leverage what I've learned in the past five years, but also have a more industry-facing role in being able to work with the entire industry and, and helping them solve some of the challenges, some of which I'm experiencing right now. And how long were you with ISO for? Nine years. Nine and I years. recently left. Yeah. The, in the Bay Area as well, or did you have to move around? I stayed in the Bay Area, but I traveled quite a bit. Okay. Uh, multiple roles over nine years or the same uh, role? Uh, multiple roles. What did you do? Yeah. So when I left AAA on the insurance side of the house, I moved over and I said, all right, I just want to get into sales. So I started as an account manager. And really, this is, again, back to the point of, of kind of our conversation here, being extremely intentional. I made the move with extreme intention and in getting into sales so that I didn't have any true sales experience in a professional sense. Mm. And so I took a role as what's called an account manager or a sales consultant. And so that's really helping account executives and doing the things that they don't want to do ultimately. And I was extremely intentional. And once I got in, I worked very hard to get up to speed extremely quickly. And through that, that showed to, to my leaders and I was given an opportunity to become an account executive, you know, within six months. Okay. So nine years, uh, multiple roles, I presume, did you move into leadership? I did. Okay. Was that your choice? Did, did they kind of tap you on the shoulder? How did that happen? Yeah, it was, it was through uh, ultimately having a lot of success as an individual contributor. And, you know, I think many of us are faced with that. Okay. You've had success as an individual contributor for, a number of years. Now is that next logical step to go into leadership. And so I was ultimately tapped to see if that's something that I wanted to pursue. You know, Xerox is very similar when I, I was there for about a decade and, you know, they have a, a, an unwritten rule that you pretty much are in a job for a couple of years. You show that you be successful and then the transition is pretty much from, you know, account executive, sales manager, director of sales, VP sales, and, and so on, if those jobs are available. And so I certainly went down that path where I was a, a sales rep for a while, then I became a sales manager. And I struggled as a sales manager. I just, I, I wasn't very good at it. If I'm being totally transparent, I just, the way that I managed, well, I don't think I was a difficult manager. I was very ineffective because my attempt was, well, Jeremy, this is how I did it in field. So let, let's do it this way. And that's just was the wrong way to do it. Right. And so did you take to leadership? Was it a difficult transition? What was that like? Yeah, I'm laughing because isn't that, that, that's funny. All of us are successful in our own ways. And hey, that's the way to do it, team. This is how we're going to do it and go execute. Totally, right? So it, it definitely, the first, I would say, six months were a challenge in the sense of I, I own deals. I know how to run a deal. I'm confident in how to get that done. Yeah. So let me just do that. And it was definitely a shift in, in the sense of uh, two levels how do you actually lead a team? Not just, I don't want to just be a manager. I don't want to be okay. 
I want to be great. That's ultimately what my goal is. And that takes time and you learn through the process. And one of them was also when you're promoted, you can potentially lead others that were your peers just the week before. Yeah. And so you have that challenge in addition to figuring out how do you actually manage and lead a team. So now, Jeremy, nine years with the organization ISO, and you said that you just left recently, if I may, uh, a victim of COVID. Was it your choice to move on? Did you get furloughed? What happened with your decision to move on in a middle of a pandemic right now? Not as if many companies are really hiring. We're still trying to figure this thing out here. So how did this happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a question I'm asked fairly often these days. So I chose to leave. Our team was performing extremely well. We were third year in a row. We were going to lead the pack in terms of execution and, and achieving. So it was a decision that I made. And there's a couple of reasons why. You know, the longer that I do this and have built my skill set and have built the confidence that I can go and execute at any company, it's we spend so much time working, Paul. And yeah. I didn't want to look back and say, I wish I would have gone and done this. And the this for me was being a part of something that is a startup or a small company and helping that company grow. And, you know, through sales efforts, of course, but once you get in the ground floor on a, on a smaller company, it's more than just sales. So, so that's what, what had been top of mind for me for about a year. So pre-pandemic, I'd begun to kind of plan out what do I want to accomplish? What would I even be interested in doing if I am going to leave? I don't want to just leave just to go do something different. You know, Jeremy, your path and my path is similar. You, you got to a higher level than I did as, as VP sales. I made it the sales manager at Xerox and then I, I decided to move on after my training gig there. But I'd spent almost 10 years there. And my decision to move on was a challenging one. But I was starting up my own company, a little bit different than working for another organization, startup or not. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, when I left, I mean, Jeremy, are you a dad? I am a father okay. of three. Okay, father of three. So when I decided to make the move back in 2010, I was single, not married, on my own. It was a much easier decision for me because it was just me. And if, it, if I flopped, then I flopped and I got a job and I figured it out. You, you're responsible for a lot of people mm -hmm. in your life in a, in a really challenging time right now. How did that factor into your decision that you're responsible for these people? It's not just you. And so how did that contribute into your thought process of actually going to a startup versus staying where you were? Really good question. And one that was probably the hardest one for me personally to make because I am the sole provider of our family. We have three kids. We live in the Bay area. You know, it's just expensive in general. Yeah. And that to me, to me was, it, it was a tough decision, but ultimately I'm not going to be bound by the fear of failure. If I can't, if, if something happens at my current role, I can't, I can control what I can control and I'm not going to not do something because I'm, I'm scared that I might fail. And so I made the conscious effort decision back to mindset that look, I'm not scared of failure. We all fail. And if that did happen, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to be even better. And two months into to joining the Series A startup, great people, really bright, learning a ton. But I'm better than I was 60 days ago, just by virtue of the things that I have to do now that are different from compared to a big company. I love it. Are, are there people on your team you haven't met yet in person? 
Yes, I've never met anyone on my team in person. <laughs> so it's all just a stick figure two dimension, right? Exactly. Exactly. I have you, no you, idea. You don't know if they're six foot three or five foot one. You have no idea, right? It'll be, it's yep. going to be a great first initial SKO, right? It's like, oh my God, I didn't know you were that big. I can't wait for it. And it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. You know, my boss could be six, eight or, you know, five, eight. I have no idea. All you see is from pretty much the chest up, right? The torso, that's about it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Good. Well, listen, Jeremy, thanks so much for being here. I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, if there was any feedback, advice, uh, foundation that maybe has served you, whether it be a quote or a kind of a mantra or something that's that has really worked for you, if anybody listening was looking for one thing to, to maybe, you know, kind of think about anything you'd want to share that has really, you know, been a, a positive for you in your, your life thus far? There's a lot there. I, I would, I would leave with change your frame, change your game. Expand on that. And, and what I mean by that is if you're always looking at life, your job, anything you're doing is half empty. This is super hard. I'm tired. It's, you know, this is just life is hard. It is. But when you just have a negative or pessimistic view, it's going to, it makes things even harder. So that's the frame that I'm talking about. Hmm. And your game becomes even harder. So when you change your frame to, hey, I'm optimistic, these things are going to happen. I am intentional about, my goals are here. I'm taking that step every single day to get there. I'm going to get there. There's going to be some bumps along the road, but when you're trying to accomplish great things, it's not going to be easy. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that comment here, Jeremy. Thanks so much for freeing up the time. I know you're a Warriors fan, man, talking to a Raptors fan and give me everything. I can't thank you enough for it, bud. I appreciate the time here and no further comment on the Raptors Warriors. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks, Jeremy, for being here. We're going to wrap another episode up right now. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're online at sellingasimple.com. We'll do it again next week. Be safe, everybody.